Hi, I'm Ethan West, and I'm the CEO of MXO Pulse, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast with Paul Kent. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. So this is episode 468 of the App Guy Podcast. You're going to be listening to an interview with me as I really try to get to the bottom of uh, startups, how to build a team and how to go about it. Now, there's a lot of great content. Uh, John Bodrozik is the guy I'm speaking to. He is the uh, owner and founder of HomeZada. HomeZada, they actually help owners track their valuables. And I was introduced to him through a friend of mine who helps people perfect their pitch, their startup pitch. Uh, It's a great story. And uh, I really, I've got a lot of stuff to share with you. But before I do, let me first of all thank my sponsor. It's Top Top Talent. They are a network of the world's best uh, designers and developers. And in fact, they have um, a statistic which they're very proud of. And that is that uh, of all of the developers or designers that come through their process uh, they only accept the top three percent that's the top three percent i'm going to be talking more about this number three percent in the middle of this episode but for now uh, just uh, remember that toptal is my uh, sponsor and they can be found at toptal.com forward slash pool uh, toptal.com forward slash pool is the link to go to because that will give you access to their uh, up to two week trial so uh, it's toptal.com and thank you very much to Toptal for supporting the show. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host. Uh, this is Paul Kemp. This is the show that introduces you to some very exciting co-founders. We've had uh, lots and lots of uh, interviews. Do be reminded that you can go and listen to my archives uh, just by uh, searching Paul Kemp in your favorite podcasting app and you'll see archives basically going through from episodes one right the way through to soon to be uh, episode 400. But here we are, uh, episode 468, and I've got a very exciting episode lined up for you. We're going to learn a ton of content and uh, they're great storytellers. I was introduced to this guest through a good friend of mine, John Livesey, who uh, if um, you haven't heard does help people pitch their ideas, their businesses. If you need an, a warm introduction to John, let me know. So let me introduce uh, another John. It's uh, John Bedrosic, and he is the co-founder uh, of HomeZada, um, where he helps homeowners track their valuables. So, uh, John, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here. Thanks for coming on. Uh, this is fascinating. Well, I'll tell you what, first of all, how did you uh, connect with John Liversey, um, who's brought us together? What uh, uh, what, what inspired you to, uh, I guess, um, reach out to him? Sure. There's a, there's a local uh, woman in our, in our Sacramento area named Carla, who was quite familiar with Judy and, and John. And uh, we met with her in a local networking event, and she thought it would be great for us to uh, work with John and, and Judy in helping Homzada get funding. You know, John, you've already stepped on one of the big themes of the uh, entire podcast series, which is the importance of networking. And so uh, it's brought you to John. Uh, let's talk about HomeZada then, uh, understand what it is you're, you're doing. What um, uh, problem are you trying to solve uh, in the world? Sure. It's, uh, we call it a digital home management solution. Uh, so for most people, their home is their largest financial asset, but the data about it is scattered everywhere. 
uh, never located in a centralized place. And so we're kind of gone this mission of consolidating all that and building a series of apps to help homeowners manage their largest financial asset. What uh, inspired you to uh, get this underway? Yeah, so one of the co-founders is uh, Elizabeth, and her and I, um, by by fact, are married. So we married couple, started this business. <laughs> is that before or after you started the business? No, Sorry. that was before. And uh, we were working at a previous software company that I had started that was in a commercial construction project management. And uh, our customers would build large-scale facilities like the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. And Beth went to go visit the contractor who was building that stadium one day, and she came back and said, our software can manage a billion-dollar uh, stadium online, but we can't even manage our own house. Um, and it was her sort of frustration with, um, you know, on a commercial basis, there were lots of tools that helps people manage large-scale facilities, but for residential home properties, there's nothing that, uh, that we found that could actually help manage our own home. Uh, and that was sort of the, the light bulb went on as an opportunity to kind of go out and build the Homes Auto solution. Well, well, this podcast is supposed to be all very inspirational, you know, for a lot of people listening. And I'm already inspired the fact that you can set up a business with your partner. Did you both have to, what, leave uh, full-time positions to work on this full-time? Yes, the previous company that we had that I had started, I was the co-founder and president, and uh, Elizabeth was in charge of business development in terms of uh, finding partners to sell our products. We had sold the company to a public company in 2006 and stayed for four years after. Um, but then I think we we both realized that we had passion for startups and entrepreneurship, and the journey with the previous company had come to sort of a, a natural ending, and we thought it was a good opportunity for us to go do, do another startup. There you go. You see, John, uh, anyone should be warned that as soon as you start down the road of entrepreneurship startups, there is, uh, I guess, an addiction and you can't give it up, right? Absolutely. It's it's a complete addiction. I mean, I think uh, we, we, we enjoy the whole process from identifying a market problem to finding out whether you can build a solution to, you know, how do you message that solution to people get it? Uh, can you can you build a business around it? Can it scale? Uh, can you create jobs along the way? Uh, you know, can you impact your local economy where you where you live and work? All those things are, are part of the entrepreneurial journey that we sort of uh, are passionate about that gets us up out of bed every day in an excited way. Well, John, the uh, opportunity we have here is to inspire someone to start their own business. We've had many people who have done so. And so let's break down that process as you know it, because there's people listening to this right now, the apps to tribe, as I like to say, who uh, think of an app idea and that's it. They think it's um, almost 95% done. And uh, we'd love to learn from you what you believe the process is, starting with uh, how, how you actually got uh, HomeZada off the ground and funded. Sure. Yeah, I think, uh, well, obviously there was the inspiration from, from Elizabeth uh, with the, you know, where's the, why can't we manage the data about our house? But the first thing we did after that is we started to validate that without doing anything by basically interviewing all of our friends who were homeowners and even people we didn't know and started to ask them about did they have the same problems. Uh, and it was quite interesting because we oftentimes separated husband and wife or partners in different rooms and actually interviewed them about their house uh, and then brought them together and found some interesting results uh, <laughs> as it relates to how different people view their relationship with their home. 
So it was really market validation that a lot of homeowners have the same problems that we did before we even decided to jump into this business. Uh, then it was sort of market research, like, okay, let's, let's pretend we want to find a solution out there to see, you know, what's the competitive environment out there and are there solutions, but we just haven't found them. And I think once we did the market validation and really didn't see any um, competitors out there, I think that's when we said, okay, this might be an opportunity and, and a really big one at that, considering there's so many homeowners, both in the U.S. and internationally, is when we basically said, let's go start this business. Now, now I love what you're uh, going through because, in a way, uh, it, it syncs up with the previous episode that we had where we learned about the importance of actually speaking to your customers beforehand to get market validation, and that's what you've done. Um, so uh, I love that you're reinforcing that. So the, we've got the opportunity. It obviously is huge because you just put together – how many homeowners are there and how many uh, homeowners own a mobile phone where they could use your software? Uh, and the market is is huge. And uh, what was your next step then after you validated the opportunity, figured it out? Uh, uh, how did you actually start building it? Yeah, I think that the first step was building the team, right? So Beth and I have complementary skills, but we needed to add sort of the CTO programmer. Um, and we found another individual named David who we actually also worked with at our previous company and basically recruited him to, to come on board to start actually writing the product. Um, so it was really, uh, you know, the three of us coming together as a team uh, and starting to actually go out and build that solution was sort of the next step. Uh, and then after about six to nine months, we got to sort of an early release uh, and were able to get that out to the market to even get more market validation. So that was sort of the next step in the overall journey. Uh, and John, did you, I mean, we've also learned uh, from this show the importance of a technical uh, person on board the team. I'm guessing it was quite handy that you knew the um, third person in your team uh, through through your network. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've, uh, I've, I've talked to lots of other co-founders of companies that they've got the business idea or the product idea or the app idea, but they don't really have a technical co-founder. And you can, you can sort of see their struggles in sort of getting some initial quick prototype out into the marketplace to test and validate it. And the fact that we already knew David from our previous relationship, which it was a huge bonus because we've got this experienced team that sort of worked together before. Um, and we all have complementary skills, and, you know, and we can all sort of focus on diff different aspects of the business in the early stages. So, so John, one of the big challenges uh, faced by many of the uh, audience is that uh, they've spent sometimes uh, nine months, a year, and I've even had seven years where they're building something and then they come to launch day and they launch it and the whole world doesn't care <laughs> about what they're yeah, doing. Right. Um, what, what can we learn from you about uh, after your nine months? You, you know, what, what did you learn through the process of, of launching? Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's absolutely, we feel, we felt critical to get something out soon um, because even though we had, you know, interviewed people before, oftentimes they can't visualize a solution until you can actually, you know, put one in front of them. So getting that first user experience and user testing uh, over how well you actually laid out the product in the app is was a huge benefit for us. And, and you think you got it right, but invariably, con especially consumers will tell you where you got it wrong because they're like, oh, I'm confused. I don't know what to do here and what's next. What's sort of the workflow of the app? And so getting that early feedback, you know, from how your actual app works 
so that you can fine-tune it and tweak it and sort of what I call eliminate friction, uh, especially as a consumer app. Uh, it needs to be easy to sign up. They needs to get instant value. They need to know what to do next. Um, if there's any sort of friction along the way, they're very easily, you're going to abandon your solution and move on. Um, and so I think that was probably a critical next step in that early phase. And I love the fact you've mentioned uh, user testing because uh, I, uh, I've, re I've recently partnered up with another company and uh, we're offering uh, testing uh, from uh, and how important is it to, um, I'm guessing it sounds like you're actually were looking over the shoulder of people using your product. Uh, was that live feedback uh, really important to you? Yeah, we did both live feedback where we were over people's shoulder watching them use the product. And then we also did uh, online testing um, where you basically uh, use an online testing service. You give the user a script or, or an open script, and it actually records their actions in your app. Um, and you get that real live feedback over people talking into their microphone going, oh, I'm confused, I don't know what to do next. And you know, you're, it's, it was a huge uh, benefit for us to get that, both, both live testing and the online version. So I hope you're enjoying this episode with John Bodrosik. Uh, let me just take this opportunity to thank my sponsor. It's TopTal. Uh, TopTal are a great network, uh, the best network when trying to access the top developers and designers around the world. Uh, they have uh, a 3% success rate. That means 3% of all the developers and designers that they come into contact with, that they assess, uh, make it through their uh, assessment and that's not just a number that they actually focused on it just seemed to be a number that came out uh, when they started uh, looking at it and if you think about it if you think about their mission statement which is to find great developers and great designers well this three percent actually puts it into uh, context because that's even tougher than it is to get into an ivy league school and it's, in, it's incredibly high. It's an incredibly high bar. You know, some of the top tell developers actually have come out of CERN or Google. I mean, these are very well-respected institutions and shows you the high caliber of individuals that join their network. So if you have a developer need or designer need and you would like to hire one of those and be introduced to someone within the TopTal network, and it can be on a full-time or a part-time or hourly basis, uh, then you need to go to toptal.com forward slash Paul. That's toptal.com forward slash Paul, all lowercase, and that will give you access to their up to two-week trial. Uh, that means that they pay the developer costs if it doesn't quite work out for you. So that is Toptal. Thank you so much to Toptal for supporting this podcast and helping us keep the lights on. Thank you, Toptal. Now let's get back to our episode with John Bodrosik. Okay, so we've gone through your journey now. You've launched, and now, uh, I guess, what's the most important thing you, you could um, you're, you're focusing on right now with Homezada? Uh, really, it's it's scaling the business. I think we're at this point where we've got tens of thousands of users in all fifty states, uh, probably even eight international countries. We don't even do any international marketing. Um, and at the end of the day, our business model is a volume play, right? We got to go out and <clears throat> find lots of target those 120 million homeowners in the US. Um, but obviously, you know, if you spent a dollar on each one of them, it's a significant marketing budget. So <laughs> we're looking at, you know, basically trying to raise that next round of funding. 
um, to help us sort of scale what we already know works because we know that it takes X amount of dollars to get a visitor, to convert, to premium user, et cetera. But we also have an interesting uh, model because we have lots of businesses, uh, traditional uh, large companies in the insurance or real estate, mortgage, home automation markets. They're approaching us because they see that we've built sort of this unique tool and they're looking at how do we partner with a company like Homesada so that they can take us to their existing customers, which would be a huge uh, win for us uh, because if an insurance company already has a million homeowner policies, uh, just marketing to their existing users could be a huge uh, reduction in cost of acquisition of customers for us. That's fascinating. And uh, I was actually uh, thinking about um, the fact that it is a, a volume play and uh i mean uh, uh, how important is it to um do some kind of uh, joint venture deal or, or or try to uh piggyback off what others are doing i know we've learned off this show that you can actually do a lot by partnering with uh, top influencers for example um, but but are you going down that road of um, looking for influencers to piggyback off and uh, and, and perhaps share um, to, to help get you get more downloads. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we, we look at sort of our channels to market as, you know, one, we're a traditional B2C play where we want consumers to find us and download our apps and try our products. Uh, but the other channel is through these partnerships and the partnerships take different sort of flavors. One, one could be just a pure affiliate marketing company. Maybe it's a, it's a, it's a media company that specializes in content around the home and they're looking to advertise us to their clients, um, and they, you know, might participate in revenue share through an affiliate marketing program. Uh, others may be, you know, like the insurance or home automation industry, where they may want to buy our solution on behalf of their customers because it's going to make, uh, it's going to give them a competitive advantage in their market by bundling our product with their existing product or service. Um, so the unique and both <laughs> unique and challenging aspects is, you know, t talking partnerships to an insurance company versus a media company versus a home automation company. They all sort of take a different flavor over sort of how that partnership might look. Uh, and actually, I, I'm going to have to make a mental note to um, introduce you to um, a, a previous guest who has an home, home automation service uh, that was launched out of Techstars. But um, moving on then, so finally, I guess, um, it, it, you know, we have been connected through John Liversay. And as I say, anyone listening to this who uh, wants an introduction to John, I'd be happy to oblige. Uh, um, how, how did John help you refine your pitch? Because I'm, I'm guessing you're now going through the funding aspect and uh, I mean how hard is it to take your idea and then you know almost relate that into a pitch to a, a, a series of investors yeah so when we started we we had a pretty decent pitch deck I think the you know our challenges are as our story is the home is is a word that everybody can identify but the home is also a word that people have different context and perspective of the home if you're a first-time home buyer how you think about the home is maybe different than if you're on your second or third home or if you own multiple properties. Uh, and so while it sounds like a simple market message, it can become quite complex when you look at the demographics of different homeowners and different types and different businesses. And I think what, what John and his team has helped us in our pitch is to sort of make that more focused and narrow uh, in, in, you know, in, a, in a way that investors are going to be able to grasp in that sort of 10-minute initial pitch. 
Um, you know, it's always, I'm always a big proponent of the job is never done. You can always do better. Uh, and getting a fresh set of eyes on our existing deck has really uh, focused the message uh, to be a lot more crisper. And have you tried it out yet uh, in front of any investors? Uh, we have. Well, we, we, we definitely tried it through the course of uh, working with John and Judy, uh, and we have tried it uh, with some investors since then as well. And uh, yeah, we've gotten positive response and, and follow-up requests to, to continue to engage with us. So, so exciting, John, uh, all, all the best with that. So this is episode 468 and uh, people can, listeners can go to the app guy.co and get links to you, to Homezada, and they can, um, I, I guess, uh, look into it. But in the meantime, it, I'm sure you've inspired a lot of people uh, who may be thinking about starting their own business or, or, or at least joining a startup how best can people reach out to you john and connect what's the, the best way of getting in touch sure uh yeah i mean uh you can find me on twitter my handle is uh j bedrozic b-o-d-r-o-z-i-c uh it's probably one way you can reach out meet to me there you can also do the same by email which is same j bedrozic at homezada h-o-m-e-z-a-d-a.com uh are probably two ways that uh you can connect great um, I've learned a huge amount, John. It, it's so nice. And I, I mean, just, you know, as someone who actually spends a lot of time with my wife, we work together uh, at home <laughs> doing the, I do my stuff, she does hers. Uh, what What is life like working with your partner? And um, yeah, get, for anyone who may actually be inspired to quit their jobs and, and tell their wife or husband to uh, start a company, what, what would you recommend it? What's it like? Yeah, uh, I think for us, you know, setting guidelines um, in terms of respecting each other from sort of a, a daily work life sort of mentality. Like uh, my Elizabeth is definitely a morning person and I'm a night owl, right? And so <laughs> if she wants a meeting with me early in the morning, I'm not at my best. And if I want to start talking to her about business, you know, after dinner, she's like, I don't want to talk to you anymore, <laughs> right? So it, a lot of it is just understanding your work styles and work habits, which you would normally do with any other sort of work colleague. Um, but because it's, you know, your spouse, you sometimes can take those things for granted. So I think having respect for your work habits and styles is a, is a big thing that can sort of set those ground rules. Um, and I think yeah, it's you, also, I think I was going to say, John, I was going to say, actually, uh, we've had quite a few couples on this show now. It's definitely turning into a theme. We had uh, <laughs> um, a couple that wrote the book uh, uh, Valley Speak. Uh, deciphering the code of Silicon Valley, and uh, and then another couple who have uh, set up a Netflix for kids. And um, uh, I know that I just recently did uh, an assessment, um, uh, like a personal behavioral assessment. My wife did the same thing, and it looked like we were totally incompatible. Uh, and certainly, with any projects I've done with her, we are at loggerheads. So uh, I'm, I'm guessing you've got to figure out your compatibility to work together first before jumping in yeah absolutely you got to find that compatibility piece and for us also i think a key uh thing that works for us is sort of the concept of healthy conflict meaning as a startup by definition you're trying to do something new and innovative and you want a diversity of opinions which means you're not going to agree on you know what product should we release next or what's our marketing strategy this month kind of mentality so you need to have that healthy conflict at work in order to be, especially at a startup, but you can't let that uh, healthy conflict turn into 
unhealthy or destructive conflict or spill over into your personal life of, uh, you know, where are we going on vacation or what couple are we having dinner with? You know, <laughs> you got to be <laughs> you got to be able to separate those two um, and, and know that healthy conflict is a good thing and not take it personal. Well, there you go. For all those people listening who have uh, maybe um, a, the potential to do this, I think you should. And and so, John, it's been a wonderful having you on the show. I've so enjoyed going through your story and uh, learning about Homesada. All the best with the future. And I, I can't wait to see how it grows. And, and when you do start making a push internationally as well, uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how big it can go. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having us on. We're, we're super excited about the opportunity because like you said, there's so many homeowners that, you know, I think there's a stat that said 70% don't actually have a home inventory. Um, and for most, it's their largest asset. So I think there's a, a big opportunity for us to really grow this into a big business. Great. Uh, thanks a lot, John. Bye for now. So thank you for listening to this episode with John Bodrosik. Remember to check out uh, TopTal, uh, toptal.com forward slash pool, uh, which is the link to get to to uh, the network of great developers and designers. Um, but I also want to make one final announcement, and that is uh, to do with Brexit. Uh, I'm delivering this on a day where Great Britain uh, effectively had a referendum to stay in or leave the European Union. And to the shock of many people, uh, the vote came in as to leave the European Union. And uh, that's not a process that's going to happen overnight. I believe that's going to take uh, two to four years. Uh, the Lisbon Treaty is uh, does have a process for this, and I think it is an up to two-year negotiation. Uh, on an exit. Now, I'd just like to say I am actually British. Hopefully you figured that out from all these uh, episodes. And I uh, do consider myself a global citizen. Uh, I love uh, the uh, to, to think of uh, myself as almost like borderless because that's what this podcast is. And yet uh, it has come as a, a shock. Uh, but to me, uh, Britain is uh, has a proud, proud history of engaging with the world. If you think about it, I reckon we've been engaging with the world for over 2,000 years and it's not going to stop now that we've voted uh, to uh, come out of the European Union. Uh, I think the primary uh, reason to come out of the European Union is the bureaucracy and the lack of democracy uh, that uh, the institutions showed within uh, Europe. Uh, there's a lot of unelected officials, and I believe that there's something like uh, 10,000 odd uh, officials that are paid more than our prime minister, and absolutely nobody in the UK could name any of these officials or even the leaders. Uh, so they're uh, unelected and invisible to the British population. So I feel like it was the bureaucracy that uh, caused the uh, vote. Thought I'd mention that. As for me, uh, I am a global citizen. I uh, I have. Um, a passion for uh, for, uh, living in different countries. I mean, I'll be living in uh, uh, Cambodia and Vietnam and uh, Bali over the summer uh, as I travel around. I've spent some time living in the United Arab Emirates and met some really good friends over there and obviously all my friends in the US. So uh, I would encourage you not to uh, look at the Brexit vote as if suddenly Britain's now going to just withdraw from the world. In fact, I hope that at some point we engage more with the world. And in fact, we haven't got a choice now because technology is pretty much 
in ensuring that we all do have a very borderless society, certainly a virtual one, where often I'm actually doing podcasts where I don't even know sometimes where the person is calling from. There may be a US citizen calling from China or calling in from wherever. So uh, yeah, there you go. There's a, a few little words on uh, Brexit, given that it was such a historic, uh, momentous uh, vote that took us all by surprise. And uh, I just wanted to set the record straight from the App Guy podcast. We are going to continue. It's not the end of the world for us. And hopefully uh, it doesn't mean that they'll be banning podcasting soon. OK, thanks. If you have any comments on this, I want to share your views on what Brexit means to you uh, as a non-British citizen or even a British citizen and let us know. Let me know. Paul at theappguy.co or uh, you can get in touch with me through the website theappguy.co. Thanks very much and I look forward to uh, getting another episode to you very shortly.